and we will open the meeting to questions. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce our speaker tonight, Zan. Hi, everybody. I'm Zan, compulsive overeater. Hi, you want it further up? Okay. Kind of funny, like a little more. Okay. How's that? I'm very glad to be here. Uh, happy to be here. And Roy, thank you for asking me. And welcome to all the newcomers. Um, OA is um, the best thing that ever happened to me in my whole life. And I'm a real cheerleader for the program. And um, no, I, I was just uh, listening to how it works and was struck by the part where it talks about honesty. Um, those who do not recover, people can are completely, usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. Boy, that says it all right there. It's like, it's, it's not a hundred other things. It's just, can you be honest and um, with yourself? It doesn't even say anybody else. And that is the crux for me is that um, I just had to finally admit that I was completely defeated, that, that there was no way out for me, that I could not stop stuffing my face with food, and, um, and I'm grateful that I did that. I'm jumping ahead a lot. I have a lot of time, so I'll start with my grandparents. <laughs> um, uh, but on the other hand, I've been through a lot in this program. I, I'm 44 years old. I got into the program when I was 19 years old, and uh, I never left except for about a month or two. Um, so I've, it's, I really, truly feel like I've grown up here, and I've um, pretty much learned everything about how to live here. Um, had to unlearn a bunch of stuff, too, I think. Um, so uh, I will start with childhood. Uh, I was a skinny kid. Um, n never had. I was a normie. Um, when I felt full, I quit eating. And I, and I really enjoy saying that because it's so different from what I became and <laughs> what I am today. I mean, I don't trust, you know, oh, I'm full, let me stop. You know, I mean, to tell you the truth, there's almost never a time where I don't finish everything on my plate. And, um, and I'm glad, see, I, oh boy, I probably shouldn't start off with this note, but I weigh and measure my food because it's black and white and it gives me freedom. Because if, if, it if it's up to me, it's like I'm defective when it comes to food. So I just, um, I will probably eat too much if, if I don't have a kind of a black and white thing. So it, it really gives me freedom. Um, anyway, so growing up, you know, um, I think I started compulsively overeating when I was about um, 12 or 13. I was studying ballet at the time and uh, had a, you know, very red, rigid routine. I would go to uh, ballet class every day after school, and um, it was it was just the perfect uh, growing, you know, place for my disease to flourish because it was all about perfectionism. <laughs> and, you know, you had to um, try to attain perfection. At least that's certainly the way I looked at it, which, you know, I probably could have been playing soccer and I would have tried to be the best soccer player on the field when I look back now because that's part of my disease, perfectionism. Um, but, you know, we had the pink tights on. It was right down here on Montana Avenue and um, the mirrors all around the room and the teacher would weigh us. Um, it was crazy. And this was, again, this was, you know, how many years ago? 30, over 30 years ago. And not only would he, what he would do is put the scale right down in front of him and he'd point to one of us and he'd say, you get on the scale in front of everybody else. And, um, and then if you were, you know, and dancers had to be like underweight. So if you were just one pound overweight or something, he actually used to hit us and swear at us 
tremendous profanity, and 13 years up, you know. And he would hit us with this, this thin wooden dowel that he count the time, and, and sometimes other things. And um, he didn't hit me much. And I later come to, come to find out that, for, for one thing, I was the ultimate people pleaser. I did everything he told me to. And he was like a god to me. Um, but I also was one of the few little girls at the studio who happened to have a father. I came to find out, like, a lot of them just didn't, and so he didn't feel it threatened. Anyway, is that ever a sidetrack? But... Um, <laughs> um, I tell the story about the ballet because, first of all, it's where my eating began. Um, and it's where I, I sometimes think that even before I had my first binge and my first overeating, I had my first diet. You know, before overindulging, it became that consciousness of uh, what happened was I hit puberty and I went from being the skinny kid that people called spider legs actually to being like two or three normal or and that's when my teacher started on me and so I like all little other little girls there went on a diet and um and uh and and so I do I really do think that dieting came before overeating with me but neither his wooden dowel or those mirrors or those pink tights or my dieting I can't blame my disease from compulsive overeating on any of those things. I mean, they're pretty righteous if you wanted to. Those are pretty good reasons to turn into a compulsive overeater. But, of course, I know now, and this is to me part of the honesty that saves my life, it had nothing to do with any person, place, or thing. It was just me and my reaction to life and, and just the way things are. And So, anyway, that's when the eating began and the dieting began. And I remember one of my girlfriend's ballet dancers we go and she taught me how to eat beyond the point where you were full and um and of course where the obsession started oh immediately in fact that's all we would talk about we'd go to the dressing room every day after school and put on our tights and we'd talk about what we would eat if we could and what we'll eat at christmas and all this stuff and um and so it just kind of snowballed from there um and i you know i did start the overeating and when i was about 15 or 16 i i hit this horrible conflict where, oh, and I was really good at ballet, by the way. I went from being this kid in junior high school with no sense of self and the headgear. How many people wore headgears, remember? <laughs> it's like the torture they put you through, you know, when you're completely self-obsessed anyway and feeling ugly and then you have to wear it to school. And, um, you know, and I was like kind of average and then I started to excel, but then I went to ballet and I just, by sheer luck, was very talented, had musicality, my parents had come from the arts, um, I had the right body, all of it, and suddenly I was getting all this attention and all this praise. And, um, you know, my whole, I just kind of blossomed and immediately put all my energies there and cried and screamed until my mom let me go to, to ballet every day after school. So, um I forgot how I got into that. But, oh, yeah, so the huge conflict was when I was uh, several years later or four, five years later, I suddenly started hating ballet. And I'd go to the class, and I couldn't wait for it to be over. And um, it was just this huge ego problem because it's how I defined myself. It's where I got my praise. It's where I felt good. But I started to hate it. And um, I, you know, I've spent my life since then wondering why. And, and I think that the, probably the reason is I just don't like to exercise that much. <laughs> I mean, I've analyzed this. I've spent thousands on therapy, you know. And, you know, oh, you're afraid of success, you know, blah, blah, blah. Who knows? And, and I'm grateful to today that, you know, as I promise to say, I don't regret the past. And, and I can't afford to hold on to it. You know, that's ego. So anyway, um, 
So then I went, um, so I quit ballet. And the reason I tell that is because that's when the eating really got out of hand. Um, I had been dieting, and I had been in, in Weight Watchers here on Wilshire Boulevard. There used to be a little place. And um, I still have my card. And uh, <laughs> you get, you'd get a little stamp every time you went. And, you know, you got weighed there, too. And um, um, But at, uh, I crossed the line. And it says in the big book, you know, somewhere in our eating careers, we can look back and see where we really started to become a true overeater. And, and that was me. And it was things like eating stale food, eating Nestle syrup straight out of the can. And, you know, for me, the, the craving was just so... Right. It was just so horrible. Um, what I would typically do, and I, and I, I like to tell the story too, is, <clears throat> you know, I'd wake up every morning and I'd be on my diet and full of resolve. And I'd eat half a grapefruit and cottage cheese, which, oh, I forgot to give you the numbers. I'm um, <clears throat> maintaining a 45-pound weight loss, and I've been abstaining for 20 years, 9 months, and 15 days. She's a fucking miracle. <laughs> and, and it's all, to, to me, it's, I can take no credit for any of that except that I crawled in here on my belly. And I, I love being in that space because I don't want to take credit for anything because ego is what got me into overeating. So, And the 12 and 12 tells me that, that I really cannot take credit. It, it, the big book also says that um, in some fashion we made ourselves ready. But that doesn't mean that you kept yourself abstinent for 20 years, you know. And um, it just means that I got, I hit bottom. So um, I, uh, oh yeah, so I'd eat this breakfast of a grapefruit and cottage cheese, which I have not eaten once in 20 years, nine months, <laughs> 15 days. And that's the recovery to me too. My, my sponsor, the, who I had at my first day of this 20 years, um, she said she, I was forbidden from eating any dietetic products. Not that those are necessarily, but in you know in my book they were. Everyone ate grapefruits, remember? You know, and especially back then. And um, so then I would do that, and I would be certain that this would be the day, the, the first day of the rest of my dieting life. You know, and I'd finally lose the weight. And but by 10 o'clock in the morning, I'd become obsessed with food and all the goodies that I wanted to eat. And from that moment on, it was a battle all day long. You know, I mustn't do it. I want those size 5 jeans. I want that boyfriend. I know that if I get thin, I'll be so happy I'll never eat again. Does anyone relate to that? You know, and it was always <clears throat> the solution to all my problems. Just to be thin, to be thin. And <clears throat> so there was that side of me and then the other side of me was I'll start tomorrow. I'll start tomorrow, you know. And um, and I would fantasize in my head about the foods, you know, in vivid detail and um, where I would go and how much money I had. And, and I would fight, 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 fight all day until usually in the afternoon I would decide, screw it, I'm going to eat. And that decision was always followed by it's okay because I will start tomorrow. And so I'd go, and the craving would be so bad, as I was saying before, that say if I was at home, I would just have to get whatever we had at home, um, which is where the stale food and all came in. But then I had to get in the car and get what I really wanted, which was, um, you know, they didn't say don't mention foods here. So uh, candy bars were my big thing, you know, like concentrated, and, and donuts too because it has the fat, sugar, and, you know, bread. <laughs> and... Um, God, I mean, there used to be this great donut place <laughs> oh, on on Santa Monica Boulevard and and uh, Bundy, uh, just all homemade, you know. And oh, it was just horrible. And you know, um, 
Hey, drunks do it. They talk about bars and stuff, right? <laughs> and it's a Starbucks today. So <laughs> I'm sad. I don't like to see the changes. You know, I was thinking too when I was thinking about coming here tonight is that talk about changes. When I came into the program when I was 19, 1976, almost every single meeting was two hours long, not an hour and a half, and certainly not an hour. I don't think we had a single meeting that was an hour. I keep looking at Karen because she was around back then. But it was two hours long, and every speaker was 45 minutes, always. And there was always a coffee break. And we usually, like back then, of course, I was 19, and I didn't have a full-time job or a family or anything, but after that two hours, you'd go to coffee. You know, it was a real different thing, and, and it's kind of fun to think back on it. And... Um, so anyway, um, eating, eating, uncontrollable eating. Went to, then, then I went into this series of geographics, and for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's, it's saying, well, um, I live in California. That's what's wrong. It's too hot here. There's too many beautiful women here. They're all thin. I'm going to move to New York where people are more intellectual like me, you know, or something like that, and then everything will be all right. You do a geographic. So my geographics were in and out of ballet, in and out of college, and, and geographically they were. I went from California to New York to California, um, to L.A., to Santa Barbara, back to L.A., to Pittsburgh, to New York, and finally back to California again. Um, <clears throat> because when I gave up the ballet, um, I felt freedom. I didn't have to put on the pink tights, but I also felt this horrible longing and lack, and that identity was gone, and there was absolutely no self-esteem, which is another tangent I'll, I want to get into for a second, and, and that is that, you know, I was wanted to be thin when I got here, and I wanted self-esteem, you know, and you hear it, too, like in the years since I came into the program, that became like the big thing in the pop psychology, self-esteem, and, you know, what I learned here is I actually was in a meeting in this building, gosh, in my early abstinence, probably like 15 years ago, and it's a fabulous AA meeting on Thursday nights. It's still there. It's called the workshop. They had a, a, a half an hour of a speaker and a half an hour of questions. And it's huge. There must have been 500 people there. It's the church room downstairs. Someone raised their hand and said, how do I get self-esteem? And the speaker said, what about God-esteem? You know, and and, and, and I, what I mean by this is that I learned here, and this is what saved my life in every area of my life, that the problem is me and the problem is that I am self-centered. I'm obsessed with me. Um, and, it, you know, it says in the big book that self-centeredness is the root of my disease. Um, and, um, and, you know, that was the good news in a way because at least they were telling me the root here. Weight Watchers didn't tell me the root. You know, I don't mean to bash that program because whatever works for anyone is, is great. But I loved that there was, they told me what the cause was and I could work at the root cause. And, and so anyway, you know, today when I, whenever I even mention the word self-esteem, I kind of laugh because, and, you know, it, it's kind of like being thin. The harder you try to get it, the more elusive it is. And um, so I was told here to shut up, sit in the first three rows or else you don't get recovery because it doesn't occur in any rows after the first three. <laughs> Take the cotton out of your ears and put it in your mouth and put chairs away. Put away the rickety, stupid chairs and sweep the floor and you will get self-esteem. And, and that is exactly what happens, you know. Um, forget yourself and you, the confidence that will build inside. And actually, they didn't really tell that because I don't think they talked about self-esteem, but that is what happened to me, you know. Um, I had to let go of pursuing self. And, um, and, you know, by the same token, too, all my dreams have come true here, and, and I'll get into that. Um, so, okay, so I... Um, 
in eating, 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 and, oh, doing all those geographics and doing some great eating. And one of the geographics, I'll tell a story, one of my good stories. Um, uh, okay, so I was back into ballet full time, two classes a day, living in Los Angeles. And my teacher said to me, if you lose 20 pounds, I'll get you into a company in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So I went on pre-digested liquid protein. Who knows? Okay, this was in the 70s, and this was the file stuff that was, who knows what it was, you know? <laughs> who knows what it was? Who pre-digested it? <laughs> but you bought the stuff, somebody made money, and you ate literally nothing, just four tablespoons of this stuff four times a day or something. And it worked. I mean, you know, you're like your head is swimming, you're high all the time and everything. But I lost some weight. I booked my flight to Pittsburgh, and um, on the way there, I spent a couple days in New York shoving food in my face nonstop so that by the time I got into Pittsburgh, I had gained enough of what I'd lost back to make it a huge problem. The direct, I did a ballet class, like an audition. The director took me into her office and said, I'm sorry, but we're not running a spa for fat dancers. But, you know, I, yeah, it's like, that's outrageous, too. Who would, who would do that today? But at the time, you know, it didn't really hurt me. I just knew that I needed to go out into that Pittsburgh blizzard and eat. <laughs> and I did. You know, I did. And i got to tell you something. I was in the program by that time. Uh, I, I was not going to accept this program. You guys were really nuts to admit you're powerless over anything. You should be ashamed. I would be ashamed. God is really is the opiate of the people. My dad and mom were uh card-carrying members of the Communist Party. And, and I say that, it's not even a political thing, but it's that thing like there's no God. And, and um, you know, so when I, but so that's what happened. At 19, I came in and I heard all this God stuff and, mid, you know, an addict, you know, I'm sorry, but I was, I'm from Westchester County, New York, you know, I'm, I'm no addict. And, um, boy, am I an addict, <laughs> you know, um, and do I come from a family of addicts? God bless them. And, uh you know, but boy, are we addicts. And it does not matter. I mean, I, we had money. It doesn't matter if you have money, if you go to ballet at the most beautiful halls in the world, or you're penniless. You know, we're so all the same. And um, so so I came here, and I couldn't accept any of that stuff, but it was the one place, after a lot of research, where they were losing it and keeping it off. And by this time, I'd already done Dr. Atkins, Weight Watchers, all of the things. And so I never left and I could not get it in my first the end of my first year in OA I think I hit my top weight I was binging on the way to meetings I was binging during the coffee break <coughs> meetings I was binging on the way home um, but there was hope here there was so much hope and 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 in a way it's such an easy program because gosh in a way it's hard they tell you you have to accept God you know you have to eat a certain way you have to give up your food you have to change everything you think about but on the other hand they say all you need is like 51% willingness if you can't find that then just pray for the willingness to be willing you know I had a sponsor early on who said well do you believe that I believe in a higher power you know and we went from there and um so um, I just kept coming back, and even within this, I went to Pittsburgh. And actually, in that Pittsburgh episode, I had stopped going to meetings. And after the episode with the director, I, I uh, took my big book down because I had brought it with me. And I read that first step, and it was like, oh, my God, that's right. I'm powerless over food. I don't have any power. So I came back to L.A., and um, actually, I went to New York, blah, 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 and um, you know, finally, finally, um, 
got abstinent. I want to talk about that. Um, it would, took me a, a total of about four years to finally get abstinent. And it was a Friday night, and I had a binge. And if anyone's having trouble with food or waiting to get abstinent, you know, it was one of the, my most innocent binges. It was I did not get in the car. I didn't get my candy bars. I stole my roommate's food. And, <laughs> and um, but, you know, because sometimes I think, well, I have to really, really have the worst one, and then I'll never go back. But this one was minor. But inside, I guess I was ready. And I'd been around the program, and I was going to these phenomenal meetings, and I wanted what they had. You know, that was the other thing that kept me coming back, besides the weight loss and maintenance, was people were joyful. And they had attained their dreams, and there was a sparkle in their eye. And I had written a suicide note. I'd come to find out four days before I went to my first OA meeting. And, you know, I never would have done it. I'm one of those people who was way too chicken and everything, but I felt no way out and sad. Um, and these people here were joyous. So that's what kept me coming back. And um, so that Friday night, blah, 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 what happened was, and, and this is the most important thing, it is that it, it, I was just struck willing to do anything you know and and it is kind of a riot isn't it where i was so resistant because you go to your first meeting and it tells you everything to do get a sponsor go to a lot of meetings make the phone calls eat the way we tell you to eat you know etc cetera, etc cetera. and um actually i did do a lot of that stuff but inside i wasn't ready to let go of the food but by the grace of god truly i was just struck willing to do anything and anything for me here was a big step, was to go and get one of those people at the front of the rooms, those, you know, they always say at the, the certain meeting, we have no stars or VIPs here. I think we do. <laughs> They're the people that lose their weight, keep it off, and you see them doing service all the time. They're visible. And to me, you know, that's kind of what a star is. And, I mean, of course we don't. We're all equal. But um, but anyway, those people, those stars at the time imitated the, the hell out of uh, What's the right word? Um when you're intimidated the heck out of me, away from them. They were the winners. And so that was what changed with me. I got willing to ask one of them to sponsor me, and that changed everything for me. Um, I also kind of buddied up with a, with a woman about my age who was also newly abstinent, and she was in the Pacific group of AA, which, if anyone doesn't know, it's um, it, it's, well, the best analogy is it, it's like the most hardcore how kind of OA. Um, I think you like have to absolutely go to a meeting a day. You have to wear a tie and a shirt if you're a guy. You have to shake people's hands. And then every Saturday or Sunday, you have to go to this one guy's house and clean the dog do out of his yard and play volleyball for fellowship. I'm serious. That's the way it works. And, um, and I loved it. And they were in the big book and in the steps. And so I just trotted after this woman and, and learned that it was a a life and death program. That's what it became at that time for me. Um, they used the phrase the other day, like a take no prisoners approach. And that's what it became for me. And I went to seven to nine meetings a week because my craving was so bad, you know. I don't know about you guys, but that was a variety of compulsive overeating. <coughs> Eater, I am, and I was. I don't have that. That's the miracle. The craving's been lifted. But that's why all those years I kept saying, well, I can't get abstinent. You know, and I have the worst craving of anyone um, in the program, <laughs> which, of course, is arrogance. Um, but I would feel like, well, when that goes away, then I'll start abstaining. And it just didn't happen that way. So I just got involved in another 
big difference was that I went from being on the fringes of the program to really stepping front and center. And that was another thing that I did not want to do. I was shy, you know, which is just another form of self-centeredness, thinking that you're always looking at me and judging me, you know. And the fact is you're probably thinking about yourself, you know. <laughs> but, um, you know, so, uh, but, the, but what I did was just imitate the people who were getting it, and uh, they were the ones that would get up at the podium and share and do lots of service. And so that's really what, um, really what changed for me. I got heavily involved. Um, you know, to talk about 20 years, where do I start? Um, in the early years for me, the craving, did, uh, the first year, the craving was bad still. And I would um, eat dinner with the phone on the table because it's, I have to admit that for me still, as the food starts to diminish on your plate because you're eating it, I start to go into mourning. <laughs> I want the meal to end. Anyway, um, so that's why I would have the phone on the table. But, um, and it was really hard. And, and, um, but after about a year and a half, that lifted. And uh, today, I, you know, I just really don't. I've never had the craving like I used to. I've never felt, you know, and, and then the most, I've never, the obsession has never returned. I mean, what a miracle. Before OA, for, I never could diet for more than two and a half weeks. And, you know, when I heard people taking their 30-day chip, I was like, I'm never going to make that. And they also, you know, most of the time say, here say three meals a day, nothing in between. I had never done that. Like on Weight Watchers, there's that unlimited vegetable category where, you know, you can <laughs> eat as many. And so... Um, so, you know, it's just, it's a total testament to the program. And um, so that's how that was food-wise. And some of the other principles I learned here early on, um, ha again, had to do with this tremendous um, inflated ego and, and to learn true humility, like my right place, you know. And this was difficult. When, when I was, um, w what I learned was how to be average. That was, that was the revolutionary change of thinking. Because, you know, I had come from a very theatrical family. My dad, um, I'm just going to say it, he directed MASH, the TV series, for nine years. And, you know, and, and, but, you know, I mean, how do you define the success? You direct MASH for nine years? He never, he always felt like a failure. I shouldn't be saying this, but he always wanted to be Ingmar Bergman. You know, he always wanted to be more than he was. And, and um, God bless you, Dad. I love you. But, um, and I really do, but, and I really can't blame my parents because, like, who's to say? Is it what they're doing to me or is it how I'm interpreting what they're doing? You know, so I, I cannot, cannot afford blame just like I can't afford anger, you know, in this program or any kind of ego. Um, but that was the way I was. In ballet, I wasn't just going to be in the back with all the other swans. I was going to be the one, you know. And um, in the classroom, um, you know, what I loved was when the teacher would say, Zan, you demonstrate for everyone else how it should be done, you know. And, and this was killing me. I, I know that's part of why I quit. I just, I just, because what I would do is I would do my five pirouettes and I'd look for the girl who did six. And then say, why didn't you do six, you shit, you know. And um, that is total arrogance. That's self-centeredness and ego. And when I learned these things in the program, I was like, what are you telling me that's for? What does this have to do with cottage cheese, you know. And, um, but it's that kind of thinking that also causes me the greatest misery. And as low as I've been at times in the program, nothing um, kills that as does picking up the phone and asking, 
how are you doing, you know, and um, getting out of self. And I really try to live every day in every situation to say, wake up and say, God, show me how I can best serve thee today. And, um, you know, it's just that to me that has been the path to a joyful life. I want to talk about humility because um, I had to really practice it in the true sense the other day. Okay, this is a great story. Um, I got married three weeks ago today, 44, first time, total miracle. I mean, all my years in the program, you know, I really thought, never me, never me. And I just want to share this, too, is I always felt like kind of a freak, like, you know, because no one would ask me to marry them, and there's something wrong with me, that underlying thing, which, again, is kind of arrogance. But it's hard, you know, because, well, why did she get asked to be married? You know, all of that stuff. And, you know, all I can say is, is, you, you know, and I, that was the one thing that would make me more depressed than anything. My brother, the drug addict, um, well, I should, you know, I don't mean to be light about that, but that was his thing, okay. My dad is food, my mom is food, my dad's an untreated Al-Anon, my mom's an untreated Al-Anon. My brother was one of the most, you know, incredibly low-bottom drug addicts. He used to go um, toward the end from emergency room to emergency room saying, I have a liver disease, give me a shot of you know, painkiller or something. Well, five blocks from here in 1996, he committed suicide. And um, and that was horrendous. I mean, I still, on my way to the wedding, you know, it was amazing. I mean, I actually had just gotten my hair done three weeks ago today and got my hair done. And all the, you know, then I drove back to the hotel from, and I was just crying that, you know, about him. But I have to admit that the pain of losing my brother wasn't as bad as, not being married, or, you know, not married per se, but finding love. And um, so, okay, so I get married. It was amazing. I mean, my husband is, I can't even believe I used the H word. I do not believe it, you know. On Monday, we're driving to get my car fixed, and I rear-ended him. (laughs) But it was bad. It was like I was going 15 miles an hour. Between the two of our cars, it's probably going to be $8,000. And way, way worse than that is I look up, because, of course, I was jolted, and I see him holding his head. And it was horrible. And he doesn't show pain easily. So, um, you know, he's, like, fine. Like, he didn't even have a headache or a backache the next day. I'll weigh and measure forever, I promise, you know. And, And he's fine. But, okay, here's where the humility comes in. And where the change in attitude, it says we will have a revolution, you know, a real psychic change in this program. And um, I handled the situation. All overeaters are good in emergencies, right? Right? We don't eat. We handle it, you know. And um, so I was fine with that. Um, but the challenge was to not beat the crap out of myself. And and this is the humility because it says true humility is not trying to be the best ballerina in the world and also not groveling. You know, like I said to the, we rode the ambulance and everything, and, and the, um, the paramedic, you know, he said that, that the, there's a reason they call them accidents. You know, it's just an accident. And I didn't have to psychoanalyze myself, you know. I want to kill him. <laughs> and, and I just, you know, like just kept it simple. And I mean, I did feel awful and I was crying and stuff. And I was asking the doctor, do you have any prescription for guilt? You know, (laughs) Um, but I just, I recovered pretty quickly because it just 
the, again, it's, it's, it's the arrogance would be no one's ever rammed her husband. No one's ever had an accident. You know, with the paramedic who like does them like two a day where you rear end somebody. And this is what the program has given me, you know, this sense, this ability to see beyond myself and all of this stuff. And, and, and it's just amazing. And, you know, going through things like that. Um, let me see. Um, just everything that's happened to me, you know, from the wedding on down, um, has just been done through the program. And, and I practice the steps to the best of my ability. I'm um, actually in another 12-step program now, so I'm a brand newcomer, and it's really fun and really refreshing and doing a lot of writing. And, you know, I'm not perfect, but I was taught in the beginning to just stay involved and go to those meetings and sit in the front and um, do the service and read the big book and read the 12 and 12. And um, I just I just do these things. Um, and as I said, the obsession for the food's been removed. I oh, another thing, you know, like we have these ideas about relationships. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Like in all those years of wanting to find a find love, um, how, you know, when I would get so depressed, um, what would I do? There's this, this proverb that I actually saw on a greeting card that says, "Fall down seven times, get up eight. You know, and sometimes that's it. You know, that's what my sponsors would say. You just keep moving forward. Just keep moving forward. Go to a meeting, call a newcomer. That would be the mantra with the people that I grew up in, in this program. Go to a meeting, call a newcomer, you know. And um, uh, so I, I sort of lost my train there, but um, those are the basic principles. You know, I don't practice them perfectly, of course, but I don't strive for perfection anymore. And um, I, you know, I used to, I will just go gray here. I'll just forever be here, and I'll just wrap up on a nice um, little thing that happened this morning. I haven't known my husband that long, actually, since April, but we went on a 5K race, and he had been talking to someone over to the side, and he, my husband 12-stepped this guy, <laughs> and, you know, it's just joyous. It's, and, he, and, he, and then he came over to me, and he said, Dan, you got to talk to this guy. And, and you know what? Um, he actually was with NYPD, and he wants to move to L.A. and join LAPD, and, you know, the picture of control, a policeman, right? And I started to talk to him about OA and how I tried all these other things, and none of them worked, and I finally found an answer here, and this man started to tear up, you know? And, and it's just a beautiful thing and, and a living program that just keeps going on and getting better, and I'm so grateful for, that I'm here. And uh, once again, I want to thank Roy for asking me, and let's open it up uh, to a few questions. I hope you guys have. So thank you. Love, okay. Oh, yeah, you're right, just now. Um, well, there were these perceptions that I had that I felt were reasons I could never have a relationship. I love to do the crossword puzzle at dinner. <laughs> and year after year, you know, I'd be doing this and I'd go, oh, it'll never work. He loves to read the paper at dinner. We never talk at dinner. <laughs> Here's a good OA one. Um, you know, the, of course, the, the dream is that what will I do, or the big conundrum, what will I do when we're supposed to shove cake in each other's mouth? He did not want to do that. He said, we can do anything, but we're not doing that, you know. So it's just these self-limiting thoughts. I'm a freak. There's something wrong with me. I have to do the crossword. That's why I'll never have a true intimate relationship. And, in fact, it works for us not against us. So uh, to me what that says is this, you know, 
quit thinking about yourself one more time. Quit thinking about yourself. Quit judging all the time myself. And, of course, in an intimate relationship, you know, I cannot afford to be judging him so much. And, um, and um, so anyway, I, it's very hopeful to me because all these ideas I had were wrong. I'm feel, finding out we're wrong. Okay, that's a great one. Um, how is weighing and measuring freeing for you, which is what I shared. Um, uh, let me say my first abstinence, my sponsor said I could eat um, three meals a day, nothing in between, but no sugar, no flour, and no starch. Now, remember, this was 20 years ago when we didn't know that grain was important to the diet, carbohydrate. Um, and she, coming from AA as well as OA, felt that uh, her sponsor told her that any grain or any potato, any starch turns into pure sugar in your body, which it chemically probably does. So we're addicted to that. We can't have it. So um, this is part of the willingness was if she had told me to eat blue food, which I say often, I would have said, how, you know, how much? <laughs> and so I just did what she said. The thing about this food plan was I could have as much as I wanted. And so in the beginning, it was, it was fine, but what I would start to abuse that. She said, if you need to get up from the dinner table and eat another chicken, you can. More salad, you can. As long as you don't eat one of those three things. And I think going from horrendous binging, um, it was helpful. It got me through. But then it started to be a real problem with me. I would go and I would get more. No, it wouldn't be one of those three things, but I would feel very bloated and in the food for at least 24 hours. I should have done that. Why did I do that? And physically very bloated and uncomfortable. It got more and more, just like it's a progressive disease, I do it more and more times a week. And there was this girl flitting around at the time who was weighing, measuring everything. It was before how. She didn't use the word how. And she was glowing spiritually. I said, sponsor me. She started to have me weigh and measure. And it's freeing because now I just know it's not an issue. First of all, I know it's enough. You know, that's a misconception. I think a lot of people think, oh, how? Oh, weighing and measuring, you know, these tiny portions. Believe me, I've met many people who cannot finish the amount that you get because it's especially important to stuff that measuring cup. <laughs> and I am not kidding. I mean, I shove. I sh like those gourmet packages of lettuces. My husband, like, buys one. I'm like, that's a quarter of my salad. <laughs> and um, so it's enough. The other thing is, to see, again, I don't have to sit there and think, should I have more? I'm allowed more. You know, if I have more, I'll be unhappy. I'll be stuck. If I don't, oh, my God, what's going to happen to me? It's like, no, that is, that is gone, and it's spring because then I, I'm up and I'm into life, and I have no guilt. And it's, it's, it's kind of like the ocean here in Santa Monica. It's freezing. But when I used to go in, I really don't anymore. But it, which, once you got in, it was divine. But you didn't want to. And that's how weighing and measuring. I was so afraid. But I never experienced hunger or, you know, and, and it removed the obsession. My problem is, am I powerless or not? I am. That means I don't have, I can't make the decisions about how much to eat or, you know. I really, I've lost that choice. I've lost that thermostat. So this gives it over to a power greater than myself, the weighing and the, the scale, the cup, and my sponsor who I committed to. And um, 
it takes, it stops me from trying to control. That's why. And since I can't control anyway, and this goes for all areas of my life. You ever, you know, just like maybe skin your knee or something and you realize how tense you've been and you start to cry and it's because you've been trying to manage everything and trying to get too much done in too little time and you just suddenly realize what a folly. You know, I'm, I don't have control over this anyway. So, um, and of course, don't get me wrong, I did this on the, being on the phone all day if I needed to, to OA friends, you know, and a meeting a night. And, and yeah, so I hope that answers the question. It's worth a try. Sandy. How do you stay in contact with the higher power? Uh -huh. He asked me, how do I stay in touch with my higher power and what do I do on a daily basis to, to maintain a program, right? Um, in a way, it's just become incredibly easy because my closest friends are all in OA. So I'm on the phone with them all the time now anyway, you know. Both my bridesmaids were um, in OA. And I don't do anything. I wish you hadn't asked that question. <laughs> um, you know, it's a lot less, a hell of a lot less. Um, in a way, it's like living, um, it really is like living, you know, like say it's, it's living the steps, not working the steps. I mean, really, it does become that, um, the, living the principles. But, okay, like concerted action. I, now I go to one to two meetings a week, OA meetings. I sponsor two people. I am sponsored, but I don't call her that often at all. Um, I read my literature. Um, but, you know, I really shouldn't say this because, in a way, I, I, I do a lot. I'm an intergroup rep. I go to those meetings. Um, I try to talk to newcomers when I'm at a meeting. I try to make a point of that. Um, I pray throughout the day. I, I try to keep my thinking on the right track. I wake up. I say, God, you know, how can I best serve thee? I reaffirm my powerlessness. I call newcomers. I take newcomers' numbers. Um, trying to think. I, I like to go to a step study meeting. I like to make that a normal part of my program. Um, and I'm not a good meditator, but I do love the, the little books. I try to read those. Yes. Okay. You know, I was still in high school, so I just went to high school. And But it was um, the seed for the career that I'm in now. I, I went into writing about the arts. So it was all, you know, that's part of this whole don't regret the past nor shut the door on it. I mean, it became the foundation for everything. And it frankly it taught me the discipline, um, um, which I don't, by the way, consider my abstinence a discipline. Discipline to me means well, at least in the dieting day, it's like clenching your fist and do, you know. And I've I've come to find that it's it's my abstinence comes out of a desire and a love, and it says what I love, and then I'll wrap it up. It says and how it works, you know. This this tremendous wisdom and this just the, what we read every time. You mind all the twelve steps and all this stuff, and it tells it all to you. There's a huge caveat in here. Have you noticed? It says if. You want what we have. And to me, that's where it all lies, because you just have to want it. And uh, that's very dis different for me from ten plies at the bar. That's discipline. Wanting it is, is just out of love and, and a desire. So um, that's all we have to do. And anyway, once again, thank you very much. Thank you.